As the years passed, John kept training with focus and perseverance. In cold weather and warm, he kept chopping wood and carrying water. In wind and rain and sun and storms, he kept beating on his craft, focusing on a mental training when the weather was too rough to shoot, and shooting four hours each day, every day. And before he knew it, John had spent nearly 10 years at the samurai community. He was very close now to graduation. One day at dusk, just as the sun was setting, John was finishing up his shooting when Akira approached, watching his apprentice with great pride. As John finished shooting, he and Akira walked back to the dining hall. As they did, Akira said, John, you are close to finishing your training now. You will graduate as a samurai archer soon, and then will dive back into the world. Before you do, there is something I must share with you. And what is that, Akira-sensei, asked John. I want you to know that when you get back into the world, you will face a unique challenge. You will face the challenge of they. John just blinked, curious. Who are they? John, we come out of the womb creating and exploring. But then we start school and we are told to sit down, shut up, and get in line. We are told to behave and color inside the lines. We are told to dream sensibly and to be realistic. You want to know who they are? They are the ones saying all of that. And if you don't obey, if you don't do what they say, they call you disobedient, unassimilated, disturbed, and they diagnose you with ADHD. Then they drug you, all to get you to fit in to their nice little box. They called a coach named John Wooden crazy when we tried to run a full court press for an entire game. They also thought it was crazy he didn't scout opponents. Rather, he chose to focus on letting the other team worry about stopping his team. The board at Apple ran Steve Jobs out of the company, calling him crazy and reckless. Twelve years later, months from bankruptcy, they came crawling back, begging him to come back and save them. He took Apple from the fringes of bankruptcy to one of the most successful and innovative companies of all time. They wanted to have committed the man who came up with the idea of television. They thought the idea of 24-hour sports network was stupid and could never work. They called Nelson Mandela a terrorist, and they called Jackie Robinson much worse. Rest assured, they will call you all sorts of names. They will throw down the gauntlet in front of you. They will do everything they can to you inside their safe container. If you put a crab in a bucket, it will crawl out. If you put multiple crabs in a bucket, they will pull each other down every time one starts to crawl out. If a crab continues to try and crawl out of the bucket, the other crabs will break its leg. Unfortunately, John, we live in a society of crabs. But we weren't created to sit still and learn the right answer. We were created to explore, create, to love, and to learn. Be courageous and never listen to they. Once you break out, they will call you a genius and tell everyone how talented you are. They will try and neatly sweep all of your years of sweat, turmoil, and uncommon persistence under the rug. Why? Because it is much more comfortable to believe talent is reserved for the chosen few than it is to work your ever-loving butt off to become the best you are capable of being. Chop wood, carry water. Chapter 30. They.
I thought of this reading, this part of the book, when I was sort of trying to put together a few thoughts for this week on the Weekly Word podcast, episode 132. And it reminds me of how we want to be different, how we want to continue to work on our craft, master our craft, not let it master us, how we want to keep chopping wood and carrying water. And many, even those loved ones around us, will look at us as, and with questions, what are you doing? How could you still do this? How could you still go out and train in these times? How could you still go for a long bike ride or a long run? How could you, how could you, why? You're crazy, it's all pointless. Why? Events are being canceled. The gyms are closed, the pools are closed. How will we know where we'll be in a few months from now? But that's who they are. They think of think of things in that way. We, you, continue to do the work. You continue to show they believe talent is reserved for the chosen few rather than it's work you're ever loving butt off to become the best you are capable of being. The beauty of current times and where we are is our ability to consistently, continuously persevere and do the work. It creates a rhythm and a habit and a focus for each day to continue to be our best despite what's going on around us. I was thinking the other day, everybody thinks a lighthouse is romantic and serene and beautiful in perfect weather, in calm seas, in blue skies. But that same lighthouse, in no different way, in no different construction, in no different purpose or no different design, stands there just as solid, powerful, persevering in storms and bad weather and dark times. It is the same building. And so are we. We have the ability to be the same in design, in our values, in our persistence, in our perseverance, in our discipline, in our daily routines, in our daily habits. Of course, times change. The weather changes around that lighthouse. Goes fall to to winter, to dark times, to easy times, to storms, to calm weather. And the lighthouse adjusts, but it still stands where it stands, how it stands, serving the same purpose. And we serve the same purpose as well, to be a beacon of light in difficult times, to stand there and show our strength and resilience and perseverance and commitment and discipline to future outcomes. When the weather is nice and when things are easy, a lot of people want to take part in endurance events. But when it gets difficult, when storms range, when storms rage, when it's rainy and dark and difficult, who is going out the door and continuing on with their training? The endurance athlete, the ones that have chosen this not because it was easy, but because of the path and the journey it creates for us and along with us. We grow out of this. We will be stronger. We will persevere more. We will learn more, better, stronger, faster, smarter on the other side of this. And it is still uncomfortable and it will only get harder. It will get harder over the next few weeks. It will be tiring not to have our infrastructure, our social connections in place. And continuously we will be tested as our endurance athletes. But that's the entire skill that we have. We play the long game. 
we are able to do this as endurance athletes. We can take a target that is way off, far off, and train consistently and passionately and with joy and a positive mindset towards it. And if it moves and if it gets pushed off further, so be it because we enjoy the process, not the outcome. Yes, there has been a lot going on in our athletic world. Events are canceled and motivation to train is severely impacted. But how we approach our training, our fitness, our endurance selves is not something a canceled event can take from us. Who we are, how we go about living our lives and approaching our day is ours. No one or no event can take that from us. The event was an expression of our athletic selves, of our fitness, not the only outlet for us to be who we want to be. Yes, part of this feels unfair, and there is grief, confusion, sadness, disappointment, but we have a choice. We can be mad, hurt, or upset, or we can focus on what we can do to change things for those around us. We remain those beacons of light, that lighthouse, beacons of influence. And what is influence? It is how we, however we define we, as endurance community, as parents, as leaders, as spouses, as brothers, as sisters, as friends, how we intentionally add value on a consistent basis. How do we intentionally add value on a consistent basis? By not freaking out and remaining positive and focus on the things we can do and remaining steadfast to our beliefs and values and identity. Us, the endurance athletes, that is our choice. How we push forward, how we remain thankful for what we can do. I'm happy for the things I do get a chance to do in this current environment. Run, hike, bike. It could be worse. We get to do this in nature, exhale, see the beauty of it all around us. That's a privilege. I get to share this with my loved ones. This could be way worse, absolutely worse, and we should keep that in perspective at all times. We are grateful and humble. For this, we have power and a positive mindset. For this, we have perspective. For this, I am thankful. For all of you, I'm excited for the opportunities that are coming because you are remaining diligent to who you are, to your values of health and fitness. Health is wealth. Remember that in this environment, and it's so true. It doesn't differentiate between those that have a lot of money have a little money, those that have a lot of opportunity have little opportunity, race, anything. Health is wealth, and let's remain wealthy. On that note, let's dive into some questions and some emails I've received and how we can make this current environment work better for us. Hi, Chris, long-time listener, first-time email. I like that. Listening to the Weekly Word podcast this morning, you discussed a posting, you discussed posting a generic home gym blueprint and hopefully include a home chassis workout as well. Yes, I think it's important to keep in mind for a home gym, we want some sort of weight, kettlebell, dumbbell, weight vest, um, backpack with some sort of um, ability to put weight in it. A lot of people have asked me how to add weight to their backpack because obviously things like rice um, aren't easily available. You want that backpack that you're creating a weight pack out of 
to be comfortable. If you just put weights in it, that's really going to hurt on the back. And we don't want that. What we want is things like water weight, sand, dirt, um, different ways to put extra weight in the backpack. Something around 25 to 45 pounds. That allows for rucking. That allows for step-ups. That allows for um, different exercises like good mornings or sandbag get-ups or Turkish get-ups or little things where you need a little bit of extra weight and you can still do the uh, routine without a true uh, barbell or any type of uh, expansive equipment. Now, great, if you have kettlebells and dumbbells, awesome. But again, you can build these backpacks to make it pretty significant in how you're going to get some resistance into your work for air squats, for lunges, to be wearing this pack. So you can see there's many reasons why you want it to be effective and comfortable. So we have time on our hands. Figure out how to make it comfortable and effective on your back or on your body. Also, when we're doing core work or chassis integrity work, having a bag with some sort of weight to it, like that backpack, for Russian twists and to do things in an elevated position while holding weight, legs up and uh, engaging the core will also be quite helpful. Some of you might already have most of this equipment, like a medicine ball, a jump rope, stretch cords that I talk about so much with regards to swimming, kettlebells and dumbbells. Well, then you're golden. Um, for example, what do I have? I have a 25, 35 and 50 pound kettlebell and I have two 25 double, uh, dumbbells. I have um, those kettlebells, two of each, by the way. Then I also have a jump rope, a medicine ball, a small medicine ball, stretch cords, a couple of mats. Um, and then the benches I use for step-ups can be a chair, can be a regular outdoor bench. I also use my stairs outside to just walk up and walk back down. That works as well. For you, those of you in the city, staircases, parking garages, all that can work for rucking and hiking, elevate, um, elevation, incline, and so forth. From there, what you want to consider is understanding that you need to get a good baseline assessment of the work you want to do indoors. And so push-ups and lunges and pull-ups and sit-ups, all kinds of different little exercises like that that you can take um, advantage of with numbers and see how you're improving. Um, so let's say you do a max amount of push-ups and then for the week or two following, you do 40 to 50% of those in the form of a few sets. And then you do another assessment a couple weeks later and you see how you've improved your strength. Um, backpacks are also important with regards to adding resistance to those lunges and squats. So you can do max weight or you can do max repetitions. That's another way to continue to keep that work going. Remember, adding weight to your work changes your endurance component. Doing a lot of repeats, lower resistance, high volume, is a different stimulus than lower reps higher resistance. So keep in mind, what do you want to accomplish with this strength session? I like to switch it up. There's days where I will work on strength 
and resistance work like that. And other days where I'm just doing um, a grind, repetitions, solid, continuous movements through a variety of exercises. I'm not rushing through them, but I'm also not stopping. So I'm working on my endurance by continuously doing four, five, six, seven sets of three or four exercises, right? Similarly to what we've talked about before, you want to be careful with too much high intensity. And so there's days you might want to go through this like an orange theory where you're doing max effort at a high level for a variety of stations that you've built yourself. Great idea, by the way. But you don't want to do that every day. It's going to break down your immune system. It's going to break down your motivation. It's going to break down your progression. So all three of those things are things we definitely want to avoid in this environment. We want to stay healthy. We want to stay motivated. And we want to stay progressing so that we see that the work that's different we're doing is going to continue to benefit us and progress us forward. The other aspect you want to keep in mind with home strength work is am what I doing preparing me and helping me for when I kick out of this on the other end? Are these motions, are these movements helping that? Swim, bike, run, run only, bike only, paddle only, stand up paddle, whatever it is. Whatever your modality is for your sports specific event that you're training for, you want to make sure that some of the homework you're doing is geared towards making you stronger and better prepared for when you can train properly again on the other side of this. Now, of course, there's just overall good, healthy body strength, chassis integrity, strong mind, strong body, all that. So you want to add a few things to that too. But what I'm saying is don't overlook the fact of just full body strength and forgetting some of the direct motions. For example, running for me, step ups, rucking, um, hiking up steeper inclines with a, a vest. By the way, I also have a vest. I have a 45 pound weight vest that um, is 25 pounds on the front or 22 and a half pounds on the front and 22 half pounds on the back. And I can take um, pieces of weight out to adjust it to 30 pounds, to 15 pounds, to five pounds, whatever. Um, so that's been a great investment because I can do that a variety of things with it. I can do those lunges and I can do those squats and I can do those step ups all with the vest on pretty comfortable. And I can go rucking and hiking up steep inclines and so forth, preparing for 50 milers and 100 milers and 100 Ks in Western um, mountainous regions where you're doing a lot of hiking as well as downhills. Wearing that vest and doing step downs has worked extremely well. So um, getting ready for running, step ups, hiking, rucking, steep uphills, and so forth. Jump rope. Jump rope is fantastic for being light on your feet. Um, quick A skip, jumping rope, quick tapping, light on your feet, all kinds of different motions. So on a different note, not necessarily with regards to home gym, but with regards to a lot of these exercises, I will start posting videos as of next week. David's going to probably come by with some proper social distancing and take good high quality video for all of this. I'm not saying I have the best technique, but it's better to help describe what we're trying to do and therefore you can see it. But most importantly, what will come first is stretch cord videos. 
I want to replace that old grainy, bad quality, bad sound video with some better sound of a current um, stretch cord video. So that being said, please look for that this week on the AIMP website. And I'll po post some of this to social media as well, because it's important right now. Having a good stretch cord foundation will prepare you for a good outcome come when the pools open again and you're swimming again. That all being said, I'm also going to show jump roping technique, single leg, double leg, again, creating strong ankles, strong lower legs, strong joints and ligaments and cartilage for the running all while in place. We don't even have to leave the house and it's a phenomenal workout. That with some grind and some different steps. And I will continuously on this podcast give you ideas and different routines to work through. But from now, for now, I'm just on the fundamentals of what you need and how you want to think about it. I hope that helps. Here's another comment by one of my athletes. There are a lot of positives. We have created a gym at home with dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells, bench, and a rack. So I'm hopeful that I will be able to resume strength training. The gym that I used has closed to the public. The rain has stopped and the trails are beginning to dry out, which means that I will be able to reduce the time spent on roads and do a lot more on trails. The longer days are also going to be great. I have extra hours in the day. Normally, I would have to train very early to give myself time to get to work. That's almost three hours of traveling a day. For the next two, three months, I'm likely to be working from home, so that gives me more time, and when things settle down, more flexibility. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Seeing the positives, turning this time, turning this environment, turning this situation to our advantage to make us stronger. All right, to keep this week short, we will go into one email question that I received a few weeks ago before this craziness, <laughs> and it was about nutrition. Hi, Chris. I enjoyed the episode with Emily as the two of you covered a great deal of informative content. I was hoping you could provide some examples of practical nutrition for Ironman racing, particularly on the run. You made it clear that you generally oppose gels and sports drinks but I didn't hear too many suggestions on what foods to test. I've raced in, well in 70.3s on astronaut food, but I'm a real food advocate as well as tend to do most of my long rides on bananas, dates, and rice cakes, cliff bars, and diluted natural fruit juice. I would love to avoid the processed stuff in my racing going forward. However, I can't see how it's practical to carry bananas on race day for Ironman. I'm a bigger athlete with an even bigger appetite. I am at an even greater loss when it comes to Ironman Run, since I know from experience that I've had a hard time getting solid food down while running without having stomach trouble. Do you have recommend? Do you recommend ta only taking water cups and skipping the Gatorade across the board? What about salt tabs? I recently heard of a company, Spring, and was wondering if you were familiar with their products and had any opinions. They are packaged like gels, but made with whole food ingredients like rice, fruit, and maple syrup. They have also have options with small amounts of fat and protein along with a mix of simple and complex carbs, all from real food. I ordered a sample pack and will be testing them myself, but in the meantime, wondered if you have any thoughts. I was already considering trying to make my own pouches of blended food, but, but if these work for me, it might be worth a bit of extra money to avoid the hassle. Great question and valid, something I've already brought up on the podcast many, many episodes ago. So the challenge with Iron Man Run, absolutely, is the fact that we are that far into the day and a variety of things are happening. So first off, the principle is 
that we want to get as far into the day of the event, in this case Ironman, on real food, solid food, non-astronaut food. But in Ironman, because that's basically possible on the run, uh, on the bike, to sort of eat the bars and eat some real food and eat something that you actually have to chew on, um, we get to the run and it's time to switch over. There are situations where it's unavoidable and the gels and the chews and sometimes the even the sugary drinks are required further into the Ironman run. So what I recommend is we always have a solid breakfast, 90 to 120 minutes before the race start, swim start, maybe top off in order to let the stomach get settled, maybe top off with a little bit of calories, 100 or so, 150 in the last 45 minutes before the gun goes off. That solid breakfast carries us a good ways through the swim and onto the bike. Most swims in an Ironman are around an hour, hour and 30. So your breakfast and being topped off and having a significant meal the night before, all that allows you to effectively get through the swim and about 20 minutes onto the bike without really having to eat. 20 minutes into the bike, you're now settled into the bike ride. Your stomach is settled, your blood is settled. It's going to the working muscles, it's settled into the position you need and into the effort you need and you're sort of exhaling, heart rate has come down, things have settled into what will be the next five, six, seven hours. So that's when we start our feeding plan. We're about two hours into said activity. Now, the swim transition and 20 minutes to 30 minutes into the bike, we're now two hours in. We need to start thinking about food. Now, it's a light entry to our fueling. We start with couple bites here and there of solid foods I recommend. Bars, um, even things that you've made yourself. And then as the demands go up further and further into the event, and so you're eating a little bit more, nothing dramatic. Going by the numbers, you can't replace what you're burning. Let's get that off the table. Um, and so you want to think about and have hopefully tested and prepared and sampled and readjusted and retested and prepared and so forth and knowing about how many calories you need per hour. For me, for example, that's 250 calories per hour, sometimes pushing up to 300 an hour. I start lighter. I start with maybe 200, 220, maybe even 175 because early on we're still working off of our breakfast and our full stores. And as we get further into the event, those stores start emptying out and we want to keep the bathtub. For those of you that have listened to all the episodes, remember this. We want to keep the bathtub um, from emptying out too much. We're not going to stop it from emptying, but we're going to stop it from emptying out too much. And so that first hour, maybe 200 calories, then maybe by hour two on the bike, now you're almost four hours, three and a half hours into your day, well, now you're going to be eating normal amounts, 250 to 300 calories in my example, because now I'm starting to settle into the output and B, I'm further from a significant meal. So my demands ever so gently go up. You might notice that you get hungry during the event. So eat a little bit more. No, not a whole nother 250 calories, but maybe 100, 150 and so forth. So you're continuing to go through the event. Now you're 
on the back end of the bike and you're preparing for the run. No matter how well we prep, at this point, even the bars and solid foods and bananas and such, they're getting old. Usually the temperatures are pretty warm or just you're just tired of eating the same food. You're sort of not forcing it down, but you're also just, no, this is not easy to just continue to consume. We've pushed this far without eating gels or chews. So our strategy is to get us as far into the day before we truly move to the complete astronaut food. So now we're in, we're going to eat a little bit more before we get off the bike, not force it. But again, if we eat something solid, then that will carry us through transition and further into the run without, once again, needing the astronaut food yet. We've gone through transition, we started running. Same thing as on the bike. We want to settle into the running motion before we start eating. Because you ate something pretty late on the bike, you can allow yourself to run a good 20, 30, maybe even 40 minutes into the run without needing food. Allow your running stride to settle in, around your heart rate to settle in, run the running motion and using your arms and upper body more than on the bike, all that to settle in, let the blood move to the respective needed parts and allow the stomach to settle into the running motion. Too often, we're still burpy, bloaty, too much food in our stomach from the bike and we feel heavy and sloshy running. For sure, then we definitely don't wanna eat anything. But these are all detailed strategies that we're not talking about right now. Then about mm, two, three miles, you know, close to a 5K into your run is where you want to start your fueling for the run. But the beauty here is that you're going to keep it with chews so that you're gradually migrating from solid foods of bars and such and real food to something still chewable in the form of chews. And a variety of brands make those. That will also only last so long. And the chewing motion and just having something in your mouth and trying to get it down while you're breathing heavy is challenging when you're running in the marathon. Even if you're going at a slower pace, the sugary flavor is what's going to get real old. And at that point, when we just need to get something down quickly and effectively, that's when we introduce gels. Hopefully, you get as far into your day, into the event, without having to take too many gels, and you're able to take maybe one or two or three of them on the back end. Some people make it all the way through on chews and never have to touch a gel. In the past, I've gotten pretty much halfway, a little bit more than halfway on chews, and then I switched to gels. And if that is on that last piece that we have two or three gels, so be it. So the other aspect you heard me say before was with drinks. Some of these drinks, such as Gatorade, which I hope you're not drinking, but the other drinks do have a fair amount of calories in them, not quite as much as Gatorade. Gatorade is like 200 for a um, 12-ounce bottle, which is all sugar and all junk. But consider, um, yes, here you go, Coca-Cola. When you're drinking those to get you through in order to get to the finish, that has a fair amount of calories and, sh again, sugar in it. Even your sports drink um, has a few calories in it. But again, drink your water with the gels and the chews and the bars. Drink your electrolytes in between when you fuel. So 
I think that should answer it. I mean, again, oh, and then the second part of the question was with regards to spring. I've heard nothing but positive, good things about spring. Everybody that uses them likes them, swears by them, many of them, and uh, I've never heard a real complaint. So I've not used them, but because I have so many athletes that have had positive things to say about them and they've been loyal to them for a long period of time, meaning they haven't gotten sick of them, and I know plenty that train on <laughs> gels, which to me is a little bit over the top. And definitely for a simulation here and there, you want to try maybe what you're going to have in a race. But the rest of the time, when we're training, we should have real food as much as we can because we want to avoid that sugary, teeth-decaying junk as long as we can. So that should answer it. So as we close this episode 132, and a shortened version because I want to get it out. I'm reminded that for all of us, health is wealth. And as you go into this next week, remember, health is wealth. Think of that old Buddhist parable of the second arrow. arrow. Many of us have heard this story over the past few days. It's been brought up a lot. I've seen it not only in newsletters, but also commented on. The Buddha once asked the student, if a person is struck by an arrow, is it painful? If the person is struck by a second arrow, is it even more painful? The Buddha then went on to explain, in life, we cannot always control the first arrow. However, the second arrow is our reaction to the first. And with this second arrow comes the possibility of choice. We're all experiencing the first arrow of the coronavirus these days. We are impacted by changing schedules, additional stimulus of new routines and inputs, race cancellations, postponements, travel restrictions, lack of space and personal freedoms, being sheltered at home and plummeting stock prices, even grocery shortages, etc. But the second arrow, anxiety about getting the virus, worry about our loved ones that they will get it, worries about future races, our future schedules, our future abilities, homeschools, financial implications, and all the other dark scenarios flooding the news and social media is to a large extent our own making. The first arrow causes unavoidable pain. We get that and we're all in that together. And our resistance to that pain creates fertile ground for the second arrows. Remember, suffering, the way I always describe it, equals pain plus resistance. We can't avoid the pain, but we can avoid resisting what is already happening and make smarter, calmer, better choices with what's coming our way. We can all accept the first arrow, but our choice on how the second arrow hits us, that remains with us in our control and in our mindset. It's important to remember that these second arrows are totally normal and very human. The truth is, is they often bring us more suffering by narrowing and cluttering our mind and keeping us from seeing clearly the best course of action for us. We can overcome a lot of this, this natural tendency, this being very human. One is to build our mental resilience through mindfulness. Mental resilience, especially in challenging times like now, means managing our minds in a way that increases our ability to face the first arrow, to accept the first arrow, to see the first arrow for what it is, 
and break the second arrow before it strikes us. Or if it does strike us to not set off a new chain of pain. Resilience is the skill of noticing our own thoughts, meaning how we're dealing with this, unhooking from the non-constructive ones, the panic, the anxiety, and rebalancing quickly. We can train this skill. We can reduce stress. We can work better on recovery. Remember, our stress comes from not only this anxiety and this overload of news and hype and panic and distorted information, but we also need to recover from that. A good night's sleep, seven to nine hours in uninterrupted. We want to stay healthy. Reduced immunity, especially at this time, is in direct correlation with stress. Exercise can impair the immune system too, due to the training stress. This occurs primarily during higher intensity workouts or super long workout sessions. So let's avoid too much of this for now. While many of us don't have the time in this new environment to train a lot of hours, we'll tend to want to increase our intensity, right? Shorter time available, well, let's train harder. And that's probably not the wisest thing right now. Can we do it a couple times a week? Sure. But it will be important to understand that too much of this will not help our immune system. It will actually compromise it. And we want to stay healthy and strong in this time, not only mentally like we've been talking about, but physically. Some intensity is okay, but be attentive on how much. I recommend and prefer aerobic exercise. It actually improves the immune system, Z2 especially. And we all already know our mindset, our energy, our perspective, our resilience to the current environment improves when we return home from an aerobic session. Like I said earlier, walk, run, hike, bike, paddle, rock, paddleboard, surf, skate, ski, whatever. <laughs> aerobic is so important for our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being currently. Don't overlook nutrition, right? All the aspects of being an endurance athlete. We talk about recovery. We talk about training modalities. We talk about mindset and nutrition. While people often think that all we need to do now is boost up on vitamin C, the problem is a lot of those supplements aren't actually, they're synthetic and they're not shown to be as useful against infection and can actually even impair our immunity. Natural vitamin C that occurs in foods, however, is well-known and a scientifically founded source in immune boosting and infection prevention. And don't forget vitamin D. Being in the sun, even for short regular periods, can be a great and immediate immune booster, keeping us healthy and strong. Expose unprotected skin without sunscreen or makeup. Do this often without getting burned, of course. Training in the sun, as we know with the weather shifting and spring emerging, use this to your advantage. Food-based nutrients, including vitamin A and the B vitamins, zinc, and virtually all others are important too. One of the most important nutritional factors to health is avoiding junk food. Eat healthy. It's a great recipe for improved immunity. We want to be strong and have a strong immune system at this time to continue on with our positive mindset, with our leadership role, with being a beacon for everyone out there as endurance athletes, from keeping things together, from balancing the three-legged stool, from using the time and our hours effectively, from kicking out of this to be fit 
and connected to the goals and events and the outcomes that we're looking for, all that. So there you have it. Stay focused. Keep moving forward. Keep being a beacon of light in these confusing times. Our ability to maintain choice, control, and positive outcomes will help us avoid that suffering, that second arrow. Health is wealth. You are all in control of this. Your strength, your fitness, your mindset, your resilience, your recovery, and ability to rise each day with composure and joy and knowledge that we will kick out of this better, stronger, smarter, and prepared is motivation enough. When forced, as it seems, by circumstances into utter confusion, get a hold of yourself quickly. Don't be locked out of rhythm any longer than necessary. You'll be able to keep the beat if you are constantly returning to it. Marcus Aurelius, Meditations, chapter 6, verse 11. Don't let chaos reign. We as endurance athletes know how to persevere over the long term. Let's show our endurance and keep the beat. Have a great few days, everybody.